The Q Affair. Part two, the Q Woo. While some similarities to living people may exist in your mind on reading this novel, it is a work of fiction. So it's your problem if you have people like this in your life. Chapter six. Q loved all the gore. I could see that. His posts were dripping with disaster between the short clipped lines that served as clues and referred to the cabal in an indirect way, containing links to articles and news stories online about dubious people, like particularly suspect politicians he wanted to draw Q researchers' attention to for a reason of connection to something else maybe in another Q drop or something that would link up with a, cue, a clue to be made clearer in a later drop that the endless YouTube videos decoded and added the extra imaginative elements which, which suggested the answers to some of the cryptic questions he posed, plus the required lurid gore as a saucy dressing. We were in a race against time to save those children from being trafficked, sacrificed and eaten by the monsters in charge who wanted their overlord, Satan, to be in control, not God. But God would win, he assured us, briefly, usually towards the end of the three or four short lines of military-sounding message. God always wins, and we must put our armour on and fight. President Trump was chosen by God to lead us into this fight was the consistent message running through the posts. And we must be armed with curiosity, then knowledge and prayer. He wished us Godspeed as the last line sometimes, if the usual cue wasn't the last letter you saw there, or the where we go one, shortened to WWGO. You can see why I don't follow the cue drops much. The God thing never appealed to me much, or the videos I now realised were related to Q's obsessions about the babies being consumed in basements of pizza parlours, which served as everyday covers for these horrendous activities most normies don't know about, or the secret pizza code for eating children bunkers on the tropical islands that rich politicians like to fly to which the many queue to code channels content revolved around. Hillary Clinton in particular was one awful dirt bird if the stories were to be believed in her sex life. And I don't even like to tell you the sorts of things she was supposed to have gotten up to between bouts of preparation for going up against President Trump back in the days of preparing for the last elections. Thank goodness though that Trump had got in despite strong suspicions that the election could be stolen through fraud carried out by the other side. Once Trump was safely in charge, Q was helping him to implement his genius plan, which had been in the making for years, of how to bring down the whole corrupt system. It was something God himself had elected him to do, and something the American people were also going to help him to do by sticking with him loyally, all the way, giving him their all and sticking with Q. Indeed, their slogan, Where We Go One, was often tacked at the end of Q's posts 
like a rallying call to lift the hearts of Trump and Q's followers and keep them in the fight against the evil cabal. Hillary, Q followers ventured, was arrested, as Q always said she would be, and now wearing an ankle bracelet. Proof Trump had started clearing the swamp and moving his chess pieces on the board, and Q would let us know when all the documents he'd signed that signified the start of a huge wave of arrests would be released. That would cause a storm, the like of which had never been seen, and which would sweep away the corruption, leaving America clean again, ready for God's people to see a new age of enlightenment and peace come to pass. And whistleblower heroes like Julian Assange finally freed. The storm was going to be epic, with Trump and Q at the helm leading the troops onward. We waited in what Trump had himself said was the calm before the storm, in a cryptic, puzzling way, which, like Q, he didn't want to elaborate on further, but needed to leave us, presumably, to figure out for ourselves if he was in with Q. We knew he was, because he was signified by the coded plus sign in the posts that often featured in the drops, and he dropped some further clues himself, coordinating with Q in coded ways that the decoders helped you spot. It was terribly exciting. The videos about the elite Illuminati insiders from the previous year hadn't been nearly so bad as this year's crop on YouTube, I thought, remembering when, just before what had turned out to be fake Q's arrival on Infopill with Gerald Cross, became the big sensation. We had watched as the Illuminati's special invited guests and undercover sleuths like Alec Johnson were transported to secret wooded grove compounds where the elite liked to meet for holiday fun, to dance around giant owl gods, reciting epic poetry in unison, swaying, some holding hands, while watching the flames of a giant bonfire of vanities play on the water and rowing boats crossing a river that symbolised a crossing over into secret esoteric knowledge that we peasants weren't supposed to be seeing. But Alec Johnson had kindly secretly filmed for us, albeit sideways, so we had to turn our heads to see the blurry footage. It was much more civilised, I thought, by comparison. Had the Illuminati's behaviour just gone downhill since then, or what? So many new Q and QAnon-related channels had sprung up that it was hard to keep track of them all. The Q people didn't always stay in their own channels, even though they were disapproving of most other channels, as far as I could see, what with evil everywhere and the added factor of their thinking they were smarter than everyone else being researchers while everyone else was a sheep who didn't see the reality right before their eyes that they were so woke to. There were no degrees of wokeness. You were woke all the way or not at all in their thinking, like Neo in the Matrix, and you'd chosen to either take the honest pill or the lie-to-yourself pill with Q always reminding you that it was a war against darkness and lies and God was the light and truth 
and anything else belonged entirely to the dark and Satan. The choice was pretty clear which pill you'd want to swallow. Desiree's channel was Q-friendly, her being so pro-God and anti-Satan, and often had Q people popping by, even if she didn't exclusively focus on Q-drops. She did approve of the Q message, though, as it fit in nicely with her view of the world, filled as it was with evil stalkers trying to kill you and your children for trafficking their organs or siphoning off their adrenochrome at the moment of maximum fear when it was most potent. She enjoyed regaling her Q fan visitors with stories of artists she found on online tabloids or blog articles who smeared themselves in human blood and called it art, or got dogs to feed at their breasts, depraved Satanists that they were. The religious Q followers would thank her for the lurid story by using a Q phrase like dark delight when she ended a story with God bless you, or if it was particularly grim, interject a blessing in the middle, as someone else might say, mm, when they were thinking. She refused to pray at anyone suggesting it in chat, no matter how many praying hand emojis or crosses they posted in chat. The frequent suggestion irritated her, and sometimes she had to tell them to knock it off more than once, if, I suppose, she thought they were interfering too much with the flow of her own narrative as she went into her stalking segment, usually about 20 minutes or so in, when she'd warmed up well with general chat and ensured she had a full house. More than once I had to click off her videos if I was watching while eating my dinner, and not just because of the dribble that the missing teeth often caused to run down the front of her chin in a thin line until she noticed, but because of the unnatural pleasure she seemed to take in stories like the depraved artist, although I'd go back later to watch once dinner had digested, because it was bound to contain a section on me. Since she'd established I had gone to art college, so was depraved, and still clearly I had kept my hand in at painting whenever the notion took me. Once I did a live stream where I showed a self-portrait of mine I'd done, and she immediately made a video in which it was mentioned and insisted it was a hex portrait of her, and I was putting a spell on her because I was a witch. I happened to know by now that her daughter was the one who had belonged to a witch's coven as she had been a Wiccan group in a Wiccan group with some friends, as well as dabbling with other world religions like Thelema occultism, popularised by the New Ager type hippies who were like magpies and picked up all sorts of shiny things from various places, including Satanism, that caught their eye. I couldn't really mention this relevant information, how she was projecting all the things she might feel most shamed about herself onto me, as it seemed to be dragging innocent, not to mention dead, people into the story, who hadn't asked to be there, and whose fault it definitely wasn't that they were. Me, I was pretty dull in the satanic department, and very grounded in an atheistic way. But I wondered if she seriously thought the portrait looked like her 
or it was just her latest direction she decided to go in. It did go down well with the Q followers, and it fit with all the Satanism they loved thinking about, along with Q. Funnily enough, the links within Q's posts, when you clicked on them, were nothing like the posts I'd expected, and had nothing specifically about cabals at all, unlike Q's short snippets of text he'd written to accompany them, which suggested you would see something shocking to do with the Illuminati's behaviour on opening the link. They were mostly news articles about US politicians, however, and were dry compared to the YouTube videos about the posts that helped decode possible meanings. There was an ambiguity that irritated in Q drops because Q wouldn't just tell you what he or she, happy now, gender snowflakes, was thinking about. No, you were exhorted to question everything or presented with a question mark or some numbers and often reminded by how unintelligible the posts were that it was a puzzle piece in a bigger puzzle, which you had to work out for yourself. Over on the Puzzler Fandango's channel, between solving clues for the Liber Locust, he pointed out how the Q-drops were encouraging you to use a Socratic method of logic. I was impressed with this bit of relevant info, but wondered why none of the truther channels, including his, taught the Socratic method that I'd read about in philosophy books to help you do the solving. I would have thought that would be something every decoder channel would want to do, but I didn't see anything on that anywhere. In fact, the majority of the content had little or nothing to do with the use of logic at all, and everything to do with getting you emotionally wound up instead. I could see how boring the Q people would find logic compared to horror stories, certainly. And if the growth of channels like Desiree's were anything to go by, they weren't about to start teaching logical thinking skills anytime soon and spoil their fun or risk having their viewers become bored and go in search of more lurid content elsewhere or, God forbid, use logic on her illogical stories and perhaps start doubting their veracity. I steered clear of the lurid channels and confined myself to ones with puzzle clues, a bit of music and chat about news or investigative entertainment stories, and of course, Desiree stalker stories. During the day, I worked when I had work and went out to play when the sun shone. Desiree soon got a massive boost to her channel's content at least in her eyes, when she received an email among the many others she received daily from her subs, which really caught her attention. One of her video titles, which was festooned with the usual QAnon hashtags, to denote that hers was a channel with vital content you couldn't afford to miss if you were an edgy hacker type who wanted to stay updated about Q-drops announced that she'd received an email from Gerald Cross and from Q himself. This should be good, I thought, as the live stream started. And indeed, Desiree was in a very excited state, having gotten the email that day from Gerald Cross with the great man Q right there in the address line. 
Q and Gerald talking together and somehow she'd been added in by getting carbon copied the email. How could this have happened? She was clearly thrilled to be right in the thick of things, the centre of the Q puzzle, with one of the most important decoders on YouTube who talked to Q frequently, knew the man personally and worked with him and the president both on the plan to save the world from the cabal. It was hard to tell if those in chat were impressed or amused like myself, as the sea of praying emojis almost obscured any text and Jazeera's subs had been reduced by now to a mix of gullibles, go-alongers and sock accounts that had been thrown out previously and were back briefly to call her names or object to her treatment of them by using unwelcome logical arguments for free speech before getting wrenched out swiftly again by the numerous bouncers she appointed with the blue spanner to do the honours. Desiree swung straight into action after a few minutes of excited intro to the email topic while her chat had started to fill, propping up her phone camera on its makeshift rubber band and stick tripod in its glass of sand, pausing to straighten it and sweep the cat Patch's tail out of the way as she attempted to bask in the late afternoon sunshine on the windowsill without either Desiree or the odd cockroach that made its way across the sill, disturbing her rest. The laptop was deployed on another side table as Desiree researched names mentioned in the email as Q had signed off with the full name, his own real identity. She would be the first with the big scoop of who Q was and we would be there to see her break the big story and solve the puzzle. She chatted happily as the purple laptop started up. Imagine her surprise. She hadn't known what she was looking at at first and had had to read it several times to make any sense of it. Gerald Cross's name she knew, but why would anything from him be in her email? And then it wasn't even talking to her directly, although she'd written to him often, trying to get her questions about the Q puzzle answered or give him her vital insights all to no avail until now when the strange letter between him and Q had dropped into her email box. Who was this Q signing off with J. Quinn? She must find out through research. It should be easy now she had a name to work with. She turned to the computer and frantically input the name to the Google search box, which obligingly returned the first page of results for that name in Washington, D.C., where she had narrowed down her research since Q was working closely with President Trump. Aha! There was a lawyer of that name, and lo and behold, another important name was in the returned result. She turned to the camera. Mancino, she screamed triumphant, the crime boss from Chicago. Pardon, I thought. What are you on about now? I felt sure I'd find out soon as Desiree was rather good at establishing a new twist in her storyline and ensuring it had stuck 
by going over and over it so that even the dimmest bulb among the little lights in her chat could sew the threads of our patchwork story together and get it to hold in their memories for a while before the inevitable boredom started to set in and a new element miraculously arrived from somewhere, such as another troll, to lighten things up again. Mancino, she told us, was a famous gang member from Chicago who she'd known about when she lived there years ago before taking flight from the stalkers in the much safer state of Texas where patriots knew what was what and didn't put up with that kind of corruption for long. Indeed, as she talked, traces of a city accent emerged and I was put in mind of a YouTuber who liked dressing up in a gangster hat whose channel she often cited as being good for research before he'd been arrested for molesting a child and never got mentioned again. I pictured her in a hat saying, you dirty rat, to this Mancino guy, as the story was so far a bit dull, despite her excitement and big build-up. She turned to the computer again and read all about this Quinn lawyer who'd been hired to defend the mafia boss Mancino once. We were on a gangster narrative now. I could see. Yeah, that might be okay. How could she work Q into a gangster narrative, though, if he was supposed to be an army guy working with Trump? Was she going to change his job and make him a mafia don working with the president don now? Hardly. I couldn't see her abandoning the president that easily if only because it wouldn't do her channel any good, with her views and sales of quilts both plummeting faster than Dr. Strangelove's bombs if she went that route round the maze. No, Jay Quinn was a respectable lawyer in DC, with many notable clients, and not actually Mafia himself, as she first told us, according to the news article she decided to read to investigate him. A lawyer working with Trump doing Q-drops? It might work, but I didn't think she'd be able to hold it together for very long. Perhaps her next video would bring up another Quinn, or she'd shroud Q in mystery again, having gotten a few new subs out of the new theory. She shopped the email around to various other channels. She sent it to Fandango, who she knew loved a puzzle and to all rock together, who was so keen on investigations. She even approached Lift the Curtain, who she hated for some reason I couldn't establish, other than she hated anyone she thought was gay, and was always accusing him of the crime of gayness. Gerald Cross, of course, was bombarded anew with email assaults from her, since she now had this vital information that he needed to keep her viewers abreast of, and it was not acceptable anymore to not reply. She and her viewers demanded answers, and would now be able to get them, thanks to the email's arrival. What did he mean, she demanded, by sending it to her? 